Happy Easter, everybody. You may be seated. Thanks for making church a priority on this special Sunday. We call it Easter, but it's also known as what? Resurrection Sunday. We had a good Friday service here and uh, on Friday, and then we, uh, this day, three days later, Christ raised from the dead. And so we are so grateful that we are able to be here as a part of a fellowship, as part of a church body, worshiping God all together. Amen? Amen. Guys, I'm not closing in prayer, so you guys, I'm not sure how this whole thing transitions, but it's all good. Or if you guys want to just stay up here and play through my message, you can do that as well. That's all cool, so I don't mind that. We can change it up just a little bit. Amen? Well, welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Easter is that time of celebration where we can where we can celebrate what Christ has done. The other day I read a story and I thought I would share it with you this morning as we get started about a mother who was driving to church and she had her family with her and she had her kids with her and she was driving to church on Easter Sunday and she decided to start sharing with her kids about what Easter meant before she even got to church and so she started sharing. She said, this is the day that we celebrate Jesus coming back to life. And the little three-year-old boy who was sitting in the back seat was listening to his mom, and he all of a sudden just just yelled out, is he going to be at church today? And I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus is in the house, amen? Because Jesus resides in your heart when you choose to accept him as your Lord and Savior, he's in your life. As you can see, how many drove up, how how many just saw something new on the front yard today? Anybody see something new on the front yard? About a third of you. This is what we kind of think is so many of you guys are so used to church, you just walk in. But we had a big sign out there. It says body parts. Did you see the sign? Body parts. And it's the start of our new series that we're doing that that is actually starting on this day on Easter Sunday. And today will be the foundation and the introduction of our new series I want to begin by discussing the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know how you could be on Easter and not talk about his resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus is an event that turned the world upside down. Jesus was crucified, and three days later, according to his own claim that it was going to take place, he was raised from the dead. I shared last week on Palm Sunday The unrealized expectations of the Jewish people were expecting a physical king to come into uh, Jerusalem, to come into that area, and to come into Rome and to deliver them from the Roman oppression. Instead, they received a king who was humble, who came to serve the people, not by leading them into battle, but by allowing his life to be the sacrifice for their sins. Jesus came to meet their greatest need even though they didn't understand what their greatest need was. Many times in our lives, we don't understand what our greatest need was. The Jewish people of the day thought their greatest need was to be freed from the Roman oppression. But Jesus saw that their greatest need was that they had a separation between them and God, and Jesus came to resolve that issue. He came to heal their hearts. This is our greatest need as well. Our faith in Jesus is what sets us free from the penalty of sin. The Apostle Paul writes a famous verse that many of you know, some maybe it's for the first time, Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. 
But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that Paul speaks of is a death and the resurrection of God's only Son. The death and the resurrection of God's only Son. For God so loved the world that he gave. His one only Son. So that whoever believes on Jesus Christ, they shall have eternal life. Jesus paid the penalty that we were incapable of paying. Sin had, sin had dominion, and it wasn't until Christ's death and resurrection that we could be set free from the curse of sin. Let me just go right to the bottom line today. Can I just go right to the main point today? Here it is. Jesus is the answer to your past, to your present, and to your future. He is the answer for every day of your life, past, present, and future. His grace covers all of your sins. Your sins of yesterday, your sins of the day, and your sins of tomorrow. He covers you. The event of Christ's resurrection ushered in a movement that is still alive today. 2,000 years later, it is still a movement today. It's what caused his disciples, catch this thought, it's what's caused his disciples to give up everything, to sacrifice everything, including many of them sacrificed their very own life for the cause of Christ, for what they believed in. The disciples experienced something that was life-changing. My wife and I, and it's, it's, sometimes we just read through the story, sometimes we just read through the Bible, and we don't understand what was taking place in the lives of the disciples. But there was a change that was taking place in each and every one of them as, as they had an experience with Christ Jesus and his resurrection. My wife and I have a desire to go to Italy. We've, been have, we've had it for quite some time. In a few weeks, we get to go to Italy. We've planned this trip. And, and one of the things that I'm just looking forward to is some of the things that we can do in Italy. One of the things, I want to stand on the, on the Appian Way where, where Paul and Peter and some of them had stood. There's also, in Italy, I was reading, I've been doing a lot of research, and there's this, uh, there's this prison called the Mamertine Prison. And I want to go visit there because church history uh, believes that this is the prison where the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter were actually incarcerated before they were executed. And I just want to go stand there. I want to feel that. See, back in those days, they really didn't have prisons to hold a bunch of prisoners. The prisons were actually very small. They were more like dungeons, and they were stacked on top of each other. The only purpose of them was to hold someone awaiting execution. And it's not like the day where you'll be on trial for 20 years. Execution came quickly. And it says, it says in church history that the Apostle Paul was actually beheaded. I know, Pastor Tom, at Easter, why can you have to be so gruesome? But that was a clean death. That was a, he, he received that death because the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen. So he was beheaded. And then the Apostle Peter, he was crucified. But he did not want to be crucified in the same way of his Lord and Savior. So he asked to be crucified upside down. And, and you hear these stories. And there's just not those two. Many of the disciples were martyred for their belief in Jesus Christ. And you hear these stories and you wonder, what happened? Why would someone allow themselves to be killed? Why would someone allow, go down a road for death unless there was something that they believed in that was so great that changed everything? 
their perspective on everything. I share this not to be morbid, but to bring awareness that these men believed in a man named Jesus. This wasn't just a hypothesis or a theory. You don't die for theories. You don't die for good ideas. This was more than just a hunch or a feeling. They had an assurance. They had a certainty. They had firsthand knowledge of the truth. They didn't just believe in a man named Jesus. They believed in Jesus, the Son of God, who rose again on the third day and sits at the right hand of the Father. Something changed their life. Catch this thought. Interesting thought for you today. James, not one of the 12 disciples, but James, who is the brother of Jesus. Okay, he's the one that actually authored the book of James, and he was Jesus' brother. In James chapter 1, verse 1, it states this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The thing I want you to focus on is this. Leave that scripture up for just a moment. A slave of God, James, who is Jesus' brother, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the resurrection today. I'm talking about the validity of his resurrected body. I'm telling you right now that I would never, never be a slave to my brother. This wouldn't do it. There's no way. It's not going to happen. James is declaring a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, his brother. Listen to how he greets the audience in his, as he starts, the ones that who, write, who are reading his book, as he starts chapter 2, verse 1. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, this is James writing, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others. Again, the point that I want to bring out here, I'm not going to call my brother glorious. It's just not going to happen. You see, what I want to bring about about the resurrection of Jesus, it didn't just change people's lives, it changed his own family's life. It changed his brother's life. There's something that took place in James' life that he was able to write or to pen the glorious Jesus Christ. Something changed his life life it was beyond human reasoning or human understanding something impacted him that changed him his brother Jesus claimed that he was the son of God and that he was going to be crucified but then he promised that by the power of God he was going to be raised again from the grave that's crazy talk unless it actually happens understand you see James and his brothers they didn't they, didn't, they weren't followers of Jesus in the beginning. They weren't believers in the beginning. In John chapter 7, it states that Jesus' brothers didn't believe the claims of Jesus. We don't know exactly when James became a follower of Jesus, but we do know that after Jesus' resurrection, James was one of the very first people that Jesus came to visit. We know this by Paul's account in 1 Corinthians. That Jesus came to visit his brother. James got to experience his brother's crucifixion. And he also got to experience his brother's resurrection. And it transformed his life.
We know this because of the involvement that James has with the church. James was with the group, and I love this story, because you can find it in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the book of Acts. When James was actually a part of the group of people that gathered in an upper room, and they started praying because Jesus told them to pray, because there's a gift that was coming. James was in, it was in that upper room when that whole entire group of people were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a miraculous event. It says that when Peter came out and preached, after they filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people got saved. Wouldn't that be amazing? Can you imagine that we were sitting right here and we just got all of a sudden, man, God just started moving, and all of a sudden we go outside, and people are hearing the gospel in their own language. There was a movement that was taking place. There was something that was beyond what we could understand, Christ's resurrection. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul refers to James as one of the pillars of the church. James had a transformation. He went from being a skeptic to one of the great leaders of the church. Josephus, who was a, who was a historian, documented that James, the brother of Jesus, was martyred in A.D. 62 by the means of stoning. That's in church history. That James was martyred, was killed in AD 62 because of his belief and his confession of Jesus Christ. James, the brother of Jesus. And as I was thinking about that, guess what? I'm not going to be stoned to death for my dead brother. I'm not going to make that choice. Something happened in the heart of James that he made a decision, and what happened was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, know, he knew that it wasn't false, but there was truth in the validity of the resurrection, and it was transforming his life. You see, something miraculously changed his life. He was willing to sacrifice everything, even his own life, for the cause of Christ. And James is not the only one. There were many that made that decision. The resurrection of Jesus' body created a movement that was unstoppable. Unstoppable. Even though many people were executed for their beliefs in Jesus, the movement continued to grow. Tertullian, who lived in the second and third century, he was a lawyer in Rome, and then he actually became known as the father of Latin theology. He was, he was living during the time where some of the worst persecution was happening during those Roman times when Nero was serving. He was living during these difficult times where they were feeding, you've probably seen it in the movies, you probably, where they were feeding the Christians to the lions, where they literally would build fires and they'd put Christians on crosses and they would light the city of Rome with the bodies that were burning. He was living during this time. And I want you to listen to these historical words. These are not the Bible. But these are historical words that he wrote about that time. Listen to these words. What shall I say of the Romans themselves, who fortify their own empire with garrisons of their own legions, nor can extend the might of their kingdom beyond these nations? But Christ's name is extending everywhere, believed everywhere, worshipped by all the above enumerated nations, reigning everywhere, adored everywhere, conferred equally everywhere upon all. No king with him finds greater favor. No barbarian lesser joy. No dignities or pedigrees enjoy distinctions of merit. To all he is equal. To all king. To all judge. To all God and Lord. 
What Tertullian is saying in this, in this part of this historical document that he is writing is that the Roman Empire was trying to stop this movement that was called the way. I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And all of a sudden, this movement started, and it was called the way. And the, and the Roman government was not supportive of this. They wanted to destroy this. And guess what? They tried every possible way. They were persecuting the Christians. They were feeding them to lions. They were lighting them up as Roman torches. And nothing stopped the Christian movement. Nothing stopped the way from continuing to have impact. And people kept believing in Jesus Christ. Nothing was going to stop it. We have people today in China, in the Middle East, where their confession of faith in Jesus Christ can bring death to their life. And yet they continue, you, you might not believe me, but there's martyrs today, modern day martyrs, that continue to believe in Jesus Christ. They continue to stand in faith because something inside of them happened and it was miraculous. It is the resurrection power of Jesus. They all of a sudden grabbed a hold of truth and it was living in them and it changed their thinking, it changed their actions, it changed the way they lived. The power of the cross. The power of Jesus' resurrected body. Christ continued to be shared everywhere. Why? Because of a group of people who experienced the power of Christ's resurrection. The apostle Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22. So you see... Just as death came into the world through man, now the resurrection from dead has begun through another man. The first man was Adam. second man is Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Because of disobedience, guess what? Adam ushered in sin into the world, which leads eventually to death. But through Christ, when we obey Christ and his sacrifice, God introduced his forgiveness to the world, which leads to eternal life. In the early church, the resurrection was a, of Jesus was the major focus of the early church. For the early church, that was the major focus, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You need to remember something. The early church didn't have the New Testament. They were the New Testament. In fact, most of them didn't really even have manuscripts of the Old Testament. That was really, that was really reserved for just the priests in the synagogues. They would have it. They would hear snippets and little ideas about it. But that's all they heard. And Basically, they were living under man's regulations, under man's laws, under all these things. And all of a sudden, this man who many thought was going to be the king that was going to restore, restore the Jewish people out of the bondage of Rome, he came and he served them and he gave his life and he sacrificed his life and he died. How many times have you ever heard of a king that sacrificed his life on a cross for his people? Jesus, the only one. He died for the people and it spread like wildfire. In the early church, the resurrection of Jesus was the focal point. It made all the difference. It signified that Christ's sacrifice was accepted by God. 
It demonstrated the supernatural power of God, and it guaranteed that our salvation is secured in Christ. The sacrifice and resurrection of Christ created the supernatural body of Christ. As a follower of Jesus, you are a part of that supernatural body. I'm going somewhere today, so hang on. Stay with me. When Jesus entered this world, Scripture says that he put on human flesh. He took on a physical body. It was through that physical body that God demonstrates his own love for this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the physical body of Christ was really important because it became our sacrifice. It was sinless, it was perfect, it was a spotted, it was a spotless lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. One, once and one, one last time for all eternity, there was a sacrifice, no more animal sacrifices, no more of the Old Testament things where they would bring all the animals into the to temple and they, they slaughter. You, you don't even understand what the temple looked like back in those days. It was a slaughterhouse trying to find appeasement for their sins. And at this one moment, this king, Jesus Christ, comes, gives up his own life, is sacrificed for all people because he was perfect and sinless and he took away what happened so many years before through Adam's disobedience, through Christ's obedience, we have been set free from the curse of sin. Man, you guys got to get excited today. This is Easter Sunday, man. I don't know. Come on. Jesus put on human flesh a physical body. The physical body was significant. Did you all catch where I'm going here? Jesus put on flesh. He was in heaven. Son of God. Do you want to talk about how humiliating it would be? We don't even understand. Can't even comprehend. To come from heaven and put on human flesh and be limited. Not having the ability to be omnipresent everywhere at the same time, which he has. Not the ability to really be omniscient except through the power of the Holy Spirit. Or omnipotent through the power of the Holy Spirit as well. See, he was limited when he put on human flesh, but he did it for you and for me. Now, as followers of Jesus, catch this thought. This is the one, I'm throwing it out here. Get your gloves on, catch the thought. Now, as followers of Jesus, we are to put on Christ. Jesus put on flesh for you and for me. He is calling you as a follower of Jesus to put on Christ. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have what? Put, say it together, put on Christ. Say it again, put on Christ. Like putting on Christ new clothes. Pastor Tom, how do I put on Christ? You see, when Christ died, through your faith in him, he has set you free from the curse of sin, no matter what you might think, even if your heart has a hard time believing it, he has set you free, and you have the opportunity to put on righteousness. Not your own righteousness, because your own righteousness are filthy rags. But you have the ability to put on 
Whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness over your life. Man, I'm going to go home. I'm going to change all these clothes. I'm going to put on some new clothes. You know, have you been, ever been out in the yard and you're working hard? The other day I was working like a, like a dog out in the backyard. I, I, I put it off for a whole year, and then I went out there. <laughs> Confession right now. Confession is good for the soul. I'm not a gardener. Alan, thank you. Alan, thank you. Alan, thank you. Alan, where are you? Are you here today? Thank you, Alan. He's my next-door neighbor. Alan deserves a lot of praise because he mows my yard. He goes over there. He keeps my place clean. Without Alan, my place would be a dump. But anyhow, I went out in the backyard. I pulled out like three garbage cans of leaves and of all these vines I had to trim down. I did all that. And, and you know, you got spiders crawling over. You got all this. And you just feel so sticky and so, ugh. And you just, ugh. And, you know, man, it was so, and your clothes, you know, you put your old clothes on, and now you're, you know how you, when you start to sweat, everything's sticking to you, and you just feel that, you know, and there was something powerful when I went inside the house and went up to our bedroom, and, and I took my clothes off, I went into the shower. It's just so refreshing. And then, after you dry off, you put on new clothes. Feels so good. You just feel like, man, you just feel like a million bucks. See, that's what Christ wants you to do. I'm going somewhere as I didn't have my notes, but I'm just going there. Christ literally died for you so that you would be willing to take off the old clothes and put on some new clothes. He is just dying and waiting for you to say, okay, no to sin. I don't need that anymore. I'm going to put on a fresh garment of righteousness. And I'm, I got this cleanness about me. Even though I know I have all this junk in my past, I can walk clean in Christ's righteousness. He wants you to accept that gift and move forward with him. This is why water baptism is so important. Let me read that scripture to you again. For you are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Water baptism is an important doctrine of the church. It signifies that you are choosing to die to your sins and that you are choosing to put on new life in Jesus Christ. Next week, it's your lucky day. You won the lottery, man. It's your lucky day. Next week, we have water baptisms. You can make a choice to choose, I'm going to be baptized in water. And we fully immerse you. I mean, if I see anything dry, I put you down a second time, okay? If we have to put more water in the tank, we'll fill it full, man. Because it signifies, man, I am making a choice. I am choosing to put my old life behind, and I am choosing to live for Christ. It's life-changing. Welcome to the body of Christ. You no longer have to live for self. You can live to glorify God because of Christ's resurrection that lives in you. When you have faith in Jesus Christ, you no longer are bound to the old sin of the old man, of the old ways, but you have a new way. See, that was what it was called, the way. 
I'm lost. And Jesus said, follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who has faith in me will not die, but will live for eternity. Follow me. It's not that hard. It's just not that hard. We make it so stinking hard because we lack faith. We lack faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why? Because faith is what brings us to salvation. Faith in God. We had a group of people that had a faith. In the beginning, they had no faith. In fact, Jesus talks to them in the boat. Where's your faith? Oh, you have such little faith. And all of a sudden, something happened where their faith went to a whole nother level. It was the living resurrection of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. I don't know where I'm at. I am. I'm not going to stop. I share this so you can understand his significance in your life. It is our responsibility as a part of his body that we, re- we represent Christ to the best of our ability. See, Christ is no longer physically present in this world. He came, he served, he died, he resurrected, and now he's at the right hand of the Father. And something supernaturally took place when Christ arose. What happened was the body of Christ, the supernatural body of Christ was formed. That's you and me. That's all of us. We represent the body of Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. This is the Apostle Paul's words. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This This is truly the way to worship him. How do you worship? Becoming a living and holy sacrifice? By allowing the Spirit of God to work through you. By choosing to follow God and choosing to reject sin. When you make those choices, you are a holy and living sacrifice for God. Skip down to verses 4 and 5, Romans chapter 12. This will be our text for the next seven or eight weeks, the the book of Romans chapter 12. Verses 4 and 5. Just as our bodies have have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Body parts, get the, get the name of the whole new series, body parts. Come on, guys. This is our bodies have many parts, body parts. Okay. Just making sure of his cluing in here. And each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. After Christ's resurrection, we now serve as his physical representatives of Christ in our world. We are his ambassadors. You hear about the ambassadors that the United States have that we send into foreign countries to represent the United States? We are the representative of Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors in this world to represent the kingdom of heaven. We have all been given, given different roles by which we serve. Because there are many parts to the body of Christ. Paul writes in Romans 12 that we all have been given spiritual gifts so that we can help one another. This will be the focus of our new series, Body Parts. Identifying your specific role in the body of Christ. Of course, as a follower of Jesus, we are all called to share 
in the good news of God's love to others. So we all will have special gifts, but no one is exempt from sharing God's love to others. No one is exempt about sharing the goodness of Jesus Christ to those who don't know Christ. We all have that responsibility. But over the next few weeks, we're going to specifically focus on your role in the body of Christ. How do you fit in? Have you ever wondered that question? How do I fit in? How do I fit in church? I just don't feel like I'm a part. How do I fit in? When you think about the physical body, because the Apostle Paul uses the physical body as an example or as an illustration of the supernatural body of Christ, and you think about the physical body and all the many parts that have to work together, do you know that the hand has 27 bones just in your hand? They're all connected together with joints and ligaments. There's over 30 different muscles inside of your hand. Your brain has to send a signal to your hand to tell it to move. I can pick up something really heavy. It's not very heavy. But I can pick up something really heavy, and my brain tells me the grip that I need to use for that. Does that make sense? I can pick up something really light to the touch. My fingertips are sensitive. They, they can experience things because God made them in such a way that I can touch and I can feel and I can pick up something light. I don't have to grab it so hard. I have different grip strengths because my brain sends that. And then all of a sudden when I touch something, my, my fingers have nerves and it sends it back to my brain what I'm touching. We are intricately and wonderfully created in such a beautiful way. That's our body. Everything works in perfect harmony. Or we could say that everything works in one accord. Painting a picture for you. Come along with a ride. Apostle Paul writes these words in Romans 15, verses 5 through 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. Talking about the church or the way. See, they didn't even necessarily have a church building back in those days. They just met wherever they could meet. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the body of Christ, we are to use our gifts in harmony with one another, serving one another in love. This is a beautiful description of what Christ desires from his followers. Individually, we all have a role, but corporately, we all make up the body of Christ. Can you imagine how much is a finger worth if it's detached from the body? I need, I need someone to volunteer real quick for me. I need to have some. Thank you. You detach a finger from the body, it doesn't have a lot of worth. But you put it with the body, guess what? There is great worth. You attach a follower, a claimed follower of Jesus, but he's not attached to the body. Guess what? There's not much worth. But when you take someone, I don't even know that you can follow Jesus and not be connected to his body. I don't even know if that's possible. Thank you, James. It is good. I can recognize James' voice anywhere.
You put the finger with the body, and guess what? Something miraculously takes place. You put one person that has a special gift that God has laid upon them, you put them with the body of Christ, guess what? All of a sudden, that gift is exposed, and it's able to do miraculous things, and through the power of Jesus Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, and that's some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. We were never designed to live alone. We were never designed to live in isolation. I know many Christians, I know the whole new thing, we're probably going to go here in, in shortly where we're going to do the whole video thing and be online, you can watch us live from the comfort of your home in your pajamas with your eggs and your bacon, hey, that was great worship, and you can do all that, and that's fine, and sometimes if you're sick, you need to be able to do that, or if you're traveling, man, it's great to be connected to the church, I don't want you to be disconnected, but there's something powerful when you come together as the body of Christ, in unity together. young lady that, I, that is here today shared something with me that was so powerful. It happened a few weeks ago. And I share it with you today. If you live in isolation, if you come to service on Easter, but then you don't want to come anymore, I'm not picking on you. I'm just sharing something. It's a great truth. Don't look down. Don't look, don't look anywhere. So I'm not, not Tom, I don't look down. If you don't enjoy the body of Christ today, why do you think when you get to heaven you're going to enjoy the body of Christ? You're going to, you're going to spend all of eternity in heaven. You better get used to some of those people that are going to be in heaven now. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't wait because when you get there, if you get there, because I don't know that you can get there if you're not part of the body of Christ. But don't wait. Start enjoying a little bit of heaven now. God has a plan for your life. People who believe in Jesus but choose not to be connected to the body of Christ stand in direct contrast to Paul's teaching because we are called to be in relationship with one another, serving one another, not living in isolation. Jesus had community around him. He had the 12 disciples, but then he had throngs of people who followed him. And in John, it talks about how Jesus appointed 72 people, and he sent them out ahead of him. He was going to go to some towns and some communities. He sent them out ahead, and he said, I want you just to, two by two, I want you to go into these communities. Don't take anything with you. I just want you to go and share that I'm coming. I want you to do miracles. I want you to pray for people. I want you to welcome people. Let them know that I'm coming. Prepare the way. See, he was in community. He had a lot of people around him. He wasn't isolated. They were preparing the way for his arrival by, by sharing, by serving, by preaching the good news. We all, I'm here to declare today, that we all have a role in the body of Christ. It's time for you to identify your role and begin to serve accordingly so that the body as a whole may be strengthened by the gifts that God has blessed you with the body of Christ. When it's all connected together, living in harmony and unity, it works so well. But you disconnect the parts together. You know, man, if you get, if you get a bad hip or, or you get a... I've been going through therapy on my shoulder because I was having shoulder problems. And, and you know, one little item out of sync in your body can make life miserable. What would happen is that as all of us, as members of Christ, 
As followers of Jesus, we came in sync with one another, living together, praying for one another, living in harmony. What would the body of Christ feel like? It'd be something miraculous. That's what Christ really wants for you and for me. The power of his resurrection should be our motivation. For Christ's resurrection is more than just an event that happened back in history. For the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that can transform your life. Transform your life. His power can set you free from bondage of the bondage of sin by bringing you forgiveness and joy. Bringing you forgiveness and joy. Man, I encourage you today, if you've never surrendered your hearts to Christ, choose today. Start the, start the journey with Christ today. Don't wait. How many love joy? Yeah, I do. I love joy. How many like forgiveness? I do, because I make plenty of mistakes and I need plenty of forgiveness. Christ provides all of that. If you are willing to jump in and have faith and follow Him, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You that Your Word does not return void. It says when it's spoken that it can be life-impacting. It can change our lives. It can turn us from a direction that we were heading to a direction where you want us to be. If you're here today and every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Christ. In fact, you didn't even really understand who Christ was in your life. But now, as I've been sharing, you understand the resurrection power of Jesus Christ can literally be living inside of you. That you don't have to walk alone you don't have to be isolated, but you can choose to be connected to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came 2,000 years ago, put on flesh for you because he needed to be a sacrifice for your sins. He died on a cross, a brutal death, and claimed that he was going to be resurrected in three days and was, all because he wanted to break the power of sin off of you. Now he's asking you, will you put on Christ? Will you put on my righteousness? Will you choose to follow me? And it's so simple. I love Jesus. He didn't make it difficult. All we have to do is have faith. If you're here today, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just raise your hand real high and say, Pastor Tom, I want to make that choice. I see that hand. I see that hand. I want to make that choice today. I want to serve Christ all the days of my life. Raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I want to make that choice today. I want to follow you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I want to choose Jesus in my life. Thank you for surrendering to Christ. The Bible says that when you make that choice, your name, this is so cool, eyes up, real quick for a moment. The Bible says when you make that choice to follow Jesus, your name is right now, there's a scribe in heaven. Oh, that's so cool. And they're writing your name in the book of life. I see at South Coast Christian there's seven or eight new people that's coming into heaven Jesus they have faith in you and they're writing your names in the book of life come on how cool is that let's pray together I want everybody to pray 
this prayer out loud with me today. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for putting on flesh, dying on the cross for my sins. Today I choose to follow you. I put on your righteousness and I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill me today and help me do what is right. Set me free from the bondage of sin. Clear my thoughts. Heal me of addictions. Heal me of anything that's not of you. I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone say, come on. Isn't God good? All the time, God is good. He never fails. I've been serving God since I was eight years old. I made a decision to follow Christ. At 12 years old, I remember I was at the altar of a family camp in Orcas Island in Washington State. Linfield Crowder was the evangelist. He used to be the guy who used to hang you over hell with a rotten stick. That's what we used to call it. He'd hang you over hell with a rotten stick. His stories were so impelling that, man, if you didn't come to Christ, you knew that that night you were going to hell, man. And he just hang you over there, man. Woo! Man, I was burning. I could feel the flames of hell already on my feet. But that night, I came in a little family camp from our church. Our church's name, my dad was a pastor. Our church's name, get this, was Church Alive. That was the name, Church Alive in Edmonds, Washington. And I came down to the altars at that family camp at Orcas Island. And I once again rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. And I claimed to him, whatever you want me to do, I will do. I surrender everything to you, Lord. Whatever you choose, I will follow. And I have never regretted that decision. Not one day in my life, not one hour, not one second. I'm telling you the truth. I have never regretted that decision. Christ is so good.